summer. Fall festival time. Oh, fuck off. Bore on the floor. We we've got Bars. a mind to hunt. A Mike Hunter. Oh yeah. A Mike Hunter. Hey. Uh, hey. Hey. What's hey, up, man? Hello. Hey, Drew. Hey. Welcome. So we bought a mic. Is, is you picking this up? Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's better Are than listening munching? to a podcast when they're like eating food. Teriyaki broccoli, baby. We bought a mic, an entertainment talk show where every week we give you a healthy dose of fun banter mm-hmm. and careful, critical analysis. Mm-hmm. I think you're nailing it now. You've, I think we've. I didn't even have to write it down. It's consistent. Wow. I'm, I'm Ernest. I am Hunter. I'm Drew. Hey. Hello. Not a lot going on today on the show. A little bit of ketchup, some Brockhampton, some Succession, some Mindhunter. Um, we do want to acknowledge that the summer movie wager has come to a close. Mm-hmm. Unless there's some big revelation, you know, what, what's even out? Good, good Boys might make a comeback? I, well, I mean, it literally not. has to come and make all of its money today because it ends tomorrow. So the, the 2019 summer movie wager has ended, and the winner is me. Uh, I like how you just introduced yourself there. Yeah, so I have so claimed the crown for the first time, pried it off of Colin's hands, yeah. who had a two-year streak, um, but no longer. I hope that this podcast just never gets released. We're saying this like we're podcasting in the eye of a hurricane. Yeah, we it's got sunny. we got. Hurricane. It's beautiful. We got John Dorian from Scrubs coming straight for us. Uh-huh. That's a JD jo- joke. Um, if you guys didn't. Also, it, we, me and Hunter, uh, weeks ago, were forecasting the summer movie wager because it is like a, a real wait and see, and that was when we figured it out that you were going to win because you had been in, in the back of the pack the entire summer. But I was mm-hmm. like, wait a minute, Once Upon a Time is going to chart at number ten. That's going to give That's him a, thirteen points that none of us have. It's a dead hit that yeah. I predicted, and that just goes to show that the the first the first pick, the number one pick, is just as important yeah. as the number ten. And pick. why I don't know. Do we know why? It's just a nice thing to to think about what to make you think about what that last one is because it it always just sneaks in at the end there and you got to put thought into it. You last year it was throwaway. the Meg. This year it was Once Upon a Time. Now, so not as good of a movie as we had last oh, year with the well. Meg, but <laughs> wow, I can't believe the Meg the actually charted. That's yeah, the Meg actually made it. pretty crazy. I, I never even saw it. Um, but also, when you have these big fucking Marvel movies, like Avengers, biggest movie of all time, that is guaranteed that number one spot, it just makes it so, like, you're kind of competing for that number ten spot in reality. Yeah. When, when, in, when you know what the number one is, and nobody... I, I almost want, like, the top five to be a little more weighted than the rest. Like, it, it, it goes down numerically, but yeah. still, like... I mean, still, the whole top ten is almost exactly the same weight in the way that it is now. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it's a drastic change. but like. And a few of us got the order uh, dead right. Um, I know you and I, Hunter, we had pretty much... <laughs> we had the same, like, top eight. Yeah. It Avengers, was literally Lion just King, nine and Toy ten. Story, Spider-Man. Like, boom. That's yeah. how it is. I also want more points for Dark Horses, because I was really proud that all three of mine made it. 
Uh, you had two on there. Yeah, Dora. Dora yeah. and the Lost City of Gold. Dora did not make it on. Dude. Yes, it did. <laughs> in our hearts. In your heart. It's did. a dark horse for f- my favorite movie of the year. It's crazy that John Wick is on there. And the only one who had it on his list was Harry. Yeah, I dark horsed it. Number six, man. $170 million. Yeah, nobody had it at number six, that's for sure. Don't underestimate um, Keanu. Well, I did. If we rewind the tapes, which I'm, or Ernie, I'm sure you'll do this in post. Uh, as sure, always, sure. Uh, uh, I did predict that it could go- pop off more than any of us thought because the the gap between one and two was pretty steep. Yeah, um, the hype was there. Yeah. So you're saying John Wick Four is going to be the biggest movie ever? Honestly, I don't know what the ceiling is with John Wick. Like, I'm not totally sure. But assuming three is on streaming before four comes out, oh, the, it will be. The hype will explode again. I mean, Keanu has like. I don't know. He's not good enough of an actor to be an A-list actor, but he kind of has that A-list. He has that blockbuster actor quality to him. He almost has like a little bit of... Uh, I'm trying to think of the best example because Chris Evans, I think, is a better actor than Keanu. But he has that thing where you see Keanu on the poster and both men and women are like, okay, I'm in. Yeah, well, like, the thing is, though, that is uh, like a more recent event like he was not beloved in the 90s at all until the matrix Well, point break he was thought of as kind of a joke though people didn't like i mean he was he was he was i know he was a big name but we're talking about like guys that you're like oh i'm in no one not a lot of people like actual movie people back then were liked him and then he he was starting to stumble upon rough times when the matrix comes along saves him then he wasn't having a real shitty time before john wick came along speed was big yeah speed Speed was a few years no i'm telling you i'm not saying he wasn't great i'm saying he was he was a big movie star he just wasn't like like good (laughs) i don't is he good critics no i'm saying like now he's widely accepted as like people like him back then critics uh, like widely did not like him as an actor right um and, but that's irrelevant And now. even in the mid-2000s and later 2000s, he was in shit movies. Right. And he, he was, was not selling. He was, he had, his career was over until uh, John his, his stuntman came along and was like, hey, the I'll Baba direct. Yaga. Uh, so anyway, cool, cool uh, movie wager this year. Had a lot of fun. Completely not, dominated by Disney. Not a, great, not a great movie year for the summer. In terms of quality... Pretty rough. This Pretty year rough is out fucking there. horrible, man. Yeah. I hate it. Well, there's I mean, been a couple of like gems in the rough, but most of them aren't making money, with the exception of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood mm-hmm. and I guess Endgame. But like some of the better movies that we've seen this year, like The Farewell or Midsommar, are not making money at all. Yeah. Not at all. I, I mean, mean I, they're, I think, they're successes for what they are. I think the farewell is like a pretty sizable success. I mean, Midsommar Small, is it's it's a twenty four, so it's not like that had a huge budget either. It That's, made a lot less than Hereditary. It did, but yeah. it's also longer. Yeah, yeah but I mean, of a movie, you know, so. with any movie, the the important metric to look at is percent gain, not just the dollar amount that you make. It's mm-hmm. the percentage the that you go over your budget, right? Um, because you know. A budget, a movie budget. Well, I'm, w- I'm assuming the budget for the farewell is like what a million, something like. It's really so. Eh, it's maybe, less maybe than like five. Okay. I think it's like right around five. Well, so if if the budget is five and let's say it makes twenty five, that's the same thing as a hundred million dollar movie making five hundred million dollars. Yeah, that's the ratio you got to look at. Um, I'm really happy that the farewell is a hit. I want to see what else, um, she can do. Yeah, a uh, oh, three million dollar budget. Three yeah, million. farewell. Yeah. And it's gross fifteen million. So that's exactly hit. the same ratio I was just talking yeah. about. Yeah, it made five times its budget. That's Boom. that's great. That's a success story for yeah, a twenty-four. Big time. Midsummer, on the other hand, 
um, eight to ten million dollar budget. Oh, but still thirty seven mil. Yeah, at the still, box office, it's still it's so. still making money. It's just not making like the Disney money. Yeah, and Hereditary made more. Yes, yes. Hereditary, Hereditary made, made, it made more. Like yeah, more around that fifty plus. Uh, so anyway, we're done with the with the movie wager. Um, am I ready to announce my pick for what? Everyone that lost has to watch. Are you? I think I am. Oh no! Should I reveal it now? It's a cloud yeah. Atlas. Or should too. I think? Well, <laughs> see, I was thinking about the whole cloud atlas of it all, and we'll get <laughs> no. we'll get into the cloud atlas of it all. We'll get into that whole fiasco on, yeah. on the next episode. Can I be honest? I think about the cloud atlas of it all every day <laughs> when I wake up. I think my pick, and I've been I've been thinking some crazy ass shit to pick. <laughs> But because Cloud Atlas was a, uh, for lack of a better word, a little bit of a, of a trudge, a little bit of a slog to get a <laughs> All 18 hours of it? I want to pick something that isn't a punishment and that's actually a little bit of a, of a nice pick, a, a mercy pick. Much like Colin picked Unbreakable last year. That, that yeah. was a great movie. I, I enjoyed watching Unbreakable. Exactly. I like that movie. So my pick... It's going to be Paddington 2. Yes. Oh, fuck Wow, yes. what a sweetheart you are. Yes. I have the Blu-ray and everything. Uh, yeah. I'm now, sure now Adam, I'm glad that you won. I'm sure Adam has seen it because Adam sees everything. <laughs> um, but maybe some of the other uh, yeah. movie wager I folks mean, haven't. This movie, though, is a Letterboxd powerhouse yeah. movie. Like, it is a darling of Letterboxd. Yeah. Which, those are all good movies that are. Lady Bird, you know, Spider-Verse. So we'll definitely be talking about it um, on an episode sometime soon. Before then, though, uh, and before we get to catch up, catch up, we got to talk about what's coming next. Yes, like we're we finally just, getting to good movies. Exactly, there's like good movies on the horizon. It's been rough. It's been rough. We've had a little gems here and there. Your Toy Story fours, uh, your Book Smarts, but other than that, it's been a little rough this year. Um, but it looks like in the coming months of 2019 things are going to start to pick up in terms of quality and of course you know there's still going to be some some stinkers in there i mean yeah we still got lady and the tramp is. coming and everything else it's but just like what so i've we been want, we want to have a conversation about all these movies <laughs> yeah because uh what i've been missing this year because there have been uh, a few nines a few niners um a i want tens of course but even more than that to me this year the middle ground has been non-existent for what we've seen yeah we've seen so much absolute garbage and then a lot of like passably uh good movies some very very good movies i need something in the middle i need something dumb and fun i need a, a mission impossible style uh mm-hmm. maybe hobbs and shaw is that i haven't seen it it's not <laughs> I don't uh, think it, it is. is i disagree i think it's the greatest movie uh, yeah adam made, cover but, your you know. ears ernest is just dude dunking on i you. mean that's a whole nother conversation about how like that type of movie has just completely disappeared yeah or even like tolly style like i just want some eights yeah like i, w- I haven't mm. seen enough eights this year that's, yeah it's it's rough out there so looking ahead at the months left in the year we have some some promising stuff and we want to do a little bit of a of a fantasy film league, little um, little fun competition here, much like the summer movie wager, but a little yeah. bit more complex. Looking ahead at uh, the, the the awards season and factoring that into uh, into this friendly yeah. competition. And this is being crafted from the ground up by yeah. Ernest. Yeah, we're we're figuring it out. Uh, we'll be releasing a, a few more details within the next couple weeks, but. Let's just talk about like some of the movies that that are coming out and how they may factor into this 
uh, this fantasy film draft where we're essentially going to be drafting movies to our team to earn points to win uh, at the end of this of this when this is all said and done. Mm. So there's a huge variety to choose from everything from cats and Star Wars to Ford versus Ferrari and Ad Astra. Mm -hmm. So a lot lot to pick from here. And, you know, we'll. We'll be diving into as many of yeah. these movies as, as we so, possibly can. I'll, first of all, I'll say that Ad Astra to me is like – it's like Saquon, but if he weren't like a – it's like first-year Saquon Barkley in fantasy football where I reached on him because I want to have Ad Astra on my team. It's a fun movie to have. You just want to see it in that lineup because I am so excited for Ad just Astra. Just having uh, Brad Pitt in a lead man role yeah. – is already the, yeah it, exactly it, it jacks the, the price potent, up. the the ceiling is way high and i honestly feel like the floor is pretty high too from what i've seen i mean the trailer is just gorgeous yeah. can we do a trailer league yeah <laughs> i'd ask for wins i always look away from that trailer because i'm i'm it's a great it it's a well done trailer that i don't you don't i don't know what's gonna, that movie's know, gonna be about but with space for me i just don't want to see it yeah. i want to i want to <laughs> wait i want to wait I, it's one of the best trailers I've it's ever one of those things where like so i don't even need to be sold on it like i have actively looked out and seen a trailer for the lighthouse for example because i'm gonna go see the yeah, lighthouse we're watching first weekend. it like, we're watching the movie um a couple of the other movies that maybe aren't going to make as much money uh that are i mean festivals are happening like right now as we're talking tell you ride tell you ride tiff venice. um venice um last but, year i mean fucking a star is born came out of this season and, yeah and it, end, um, it didn't end up making as much fanfare as they wanted to but when it was in the festival season Everyone was. Oh, I mean, everybody. It. it had like almost the La La Land buzz, where people are like, "Yeah, this movie's gonna win everything." But um, we have Jojo Rabbit, the okay, new Taika, Taika Waititi, Waititi, very excited. His mockumentary of satire of Hitler. Uh, really excited for that. Uh, Pain and Glory. Have you guys? Are you familiar with Pedro Almodovar? Yeah, I, I I'm not a completist by any means, but I've I've. I am familiar. There's a number of his movies on Criterion that I want to check out, but this movie is getting a lot of buzz, um, specifically for um, Antonio. Yeah, Banderas. Antonio Banderas is getting the early Oscar buzz that he could have, yeah. like a Gary Oldman type thing, where it's like it's a it's time for um, Antonio. He was Banderas. robbed for Spy Kids. Yeah, yeah. you think Rob. you think that's his Oscar movie? Yeah, of for, all of them, for leading role. Did he win a Nickelodeon <laughs> Teen's Choice Awards yeah, or something for that? Better. Um, um, I'm pretty sure they don't give those out to the parents at the Kids Choice shit. Awards because <laughs> um, they're like, "He's my favorite dad." Hey, but you know what? We're talking about Ad Astra. Ad Astra might not even be the best space movie that we have mm. this year because we have cats, <laughs> Star Wars, cats. No, I was talking about Lucy in the Sky. Oh, Lucy oh. in the Sky oh. movie that's premiering right now. We'll see. At TIFF. I I am a little skeptical about that one, even though I love my boy Noah Hawley and the cast is incredible. Yeah, I just don't see how that. If people turn out for Natalie Portman, we could have a sizable hit on our hands. But it's not. It doesn't have like the mysteriousness of something like Ad yeah. Astra. Well, it seems like a much more kind of straightforward drama. But are we looking at awards for it though? That's the thing. A good chance. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. Um, speaking of which, what are you guys thinking about the Irishman, especially with everything that's just come out? I was much more confident about it about like three months ago yeah. than I am now. It's like a classic Damien Williams. Well, now I'm seeing. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> We're ostracizing so much of our audience right now. Uh, um, whatever. So 
I was more excited for that until I started seeing some of the other movies that are coming out and hearing that this movie is like three hours and 45 minutes long. Yeah, it's long as shit. Everybody thought like, oh, this will be like, this will just get more eyeballs on it on Netflix than Roma did. Not if it's four hours yeah, long. Yeah, and Netflix did decide not to put it in wide release in theaters. Um, they couldn't strike a deal with the big chains. Which makes so. sense, because if you're a chain, you're like, okay, I can do one showing of The Irishman or three showings of, like, the Epic Bunny Movie 3, which <laughs> will or, be full every time. But also, there's some weirdness with Netflix's approach to theatrical release. Apparently, they're very, very strict with the, uh, the dividend of the money. You know, usually the cut that a theater gets from a ticket is much bigger than what Netflix is offering for their movies. And yeah. they they apparently are demanding that, like, they they not show any Yeah, that's the other thing. Except is their They movie. have to just show, fill up every theater, every auditorium in the theater and just show this movie, which why the fuck would anybody do that is I, – I have no idea. Netflix um, is um, – it's approaching ne- you need to calm down mode. Well, and another, the mode that uh, Renner has been in for months now. <laughs> so another thing is that there's a lot of movies that are coming out that are going to make a lot of money that they don't really need the Irishman. Not only just like the Star Wars and Disney of it all, but even something like Greta Gerwig's new movie, Little Women. Mm-hmm. That movie is – there's going to be so many people that go yeah. and see that movie. Shitloads of people have read the books. Yeah. I've never like, actually read the books, but I mean – I. I love Greta Gerwig. I love Saoirse Ronan. I love everybody. Uh, our Chalamet. our girl Frances Pugh is in it. Yeah. Florence. Florence Pugh. Florence Pugh <laughs> is having a moment. Timmy. Timmy Shally. Timmy Shally. Timmy Shalley. Um Is it okay? Here's sidebar. Is it Timothy? Is it really Timothy? Timothy. Because I have heard people saying Timothy. And Timothy there is an, an, There are two E's and there's an accent over one of them. At that point, it is all flourish. Timothy. I'm not gonna. I will. I'm never, gonna call him Timothy. I will never call you Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> yeah, I'm, Timothy. I'm sorry. You could be the best actor of our generation. And it's, you may be. it's the follow up to Lady Bird. Come on. Yeah, it's, it's got a Lady Bird was yeah. a huge hit, and I mean the fact that this is a known. IP, as weird as it is, It'll the Little money. Women universe. Um, um, another movie that I am so excited for is the uh, partner to Little Women, and that's Noah Baumbach's new movie, Marriage Story. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm so excited for this movie. Yes. As a child of divorce, I always look towards movies uh, with divorced people. Apparently, the buzz is that this is like challenging Kramer versus Kramer for like one of the best divorce movies ever. Mm-hmm. So. I'm excited. Adam Driver. I'm all in. Scar- uh, Scarlett Johansson. I've heard a little bit similar news from Trey Edward Schultz movie Waves. Mm-hmm. Um, Don't know anything about that. Um, probably. Yeah. yeah. I'm, we we should talk about like the the, the money makers also the ones that are not Cats. even going to be. Well, will cats make money? Is a good I think question. cats. Is yes. Going to make money. It'll, like it'll make money, but will it like really break even like a lot? Are we looking? Are you? Are, do you think it's going to bomb? No, I don't think it's going to bomb, but like. I think it might just kind of like make back its money and then a little bit. I don't think it's going to be a smash hit. Like I I really don't. I think it's a joke. I mean Star Wars will be out, Jumanji the next level will we, be out. Also, we got to talk about Frozen 2. If we're talking money, yeah. oh my god, it's going to make so much money. Well, yeah. Frozen comes out earlier, doesn't it? It doesn't come out over Christmas cuz Disney Disney's smart enough to like space their big movies out like yeah. a couple of weeks from each other. Yeah. It is um, going to make so much money. I think but you know what comes out that same weekend is it's Star Wars, Cats, and Little Women all come out the same weekend. Holy I shit. think that Little Women might be like more people are going to want to go see from that section Little Women than they will Cats. Um, I'll say one thing. 
listener, your money is your vote. Don't see Star Wars that weekend. <laughs> see Little Women. Yeah. I know we're yeah. going to talk about Star Wars that weekend, so we'll have to to see it. Oh, but, but we uh, got we got to talk about all of those movies. Yeah, triple feature. Oh, um, <laughs> buy the ticket for Little Women and stay in the fucking yeah. theater all day. I did. Uh, we didn't even talk about what is probably one of the best picture odds-on favorites right now. Rambo, the Parasite. Rambo: Last Blood. Oh. Yeah, that the too. The Parasite, uh, Bong, Bong Joon-ho's Joon-ho. new movie. Um, yeah, I mean. So much buzz for this movie. It for sure. leaked on a, a legal download, but I am not watching Hell it. Hell no. I am saving it so I can give Bong Joon-ho my money in the theater. Yeah, it won the Palme d'Or at uh, Cannes uh, coming out in October. Super stoked for that. Uh, a couple more things that uh, I think are worth mentioning. How are we How are we feeling about uh, Tom Hanks in uh Steve, uh, what's his name? Um, Fred Rogers. Yeah, not "Won't You Be My Neighbor." That's that's the documentary that uh, came out. Beautiful day in the neighborhood. I mean, it's gonna like be good, but it it's almost a matter of are they gonna really bend over backwards to trigger us? Because they almost they don't have to. This is a touching story. The the reason I'm not very excited is because the documentary is going to be better. Yeah, and I'm fairly certain of that. That's always the case with these things. And is that when they make a documentary and the dramatized version, the documentary is better, like almost every time. S- uh, spoilers for our uh, Cloud Atlas discussion, but when you have Tom Hanks in your movie, you just have Tom Hanks. In your <laughs> you movie. just see Tom Hanks. You don't see him playing a character. Yeah, and and when you have someone like Fred Rogers, it's like it's this weirdness where it's like oh he's almost fred rogers but i just see tom hanks um it's a little unsettling i mean i'm going to cry a lot i already know the documentary that came out last year won't you be my neighbor is a beautiful movie Uh, another possible awards sleeper is we are getting a harriet tubman biopic yeah um called harriet uh the director casey lemons doesn't have a ton of stuff under her belt um she's acted a lot um she wrote black nativity um She's directed like Luke Cage, like an episode or two or something. But that movie strikes me as one that we could see at the Oscars. Yeah, you know, yeah, it, it's it's like your uh, your darkest hour. Or something There's that, like yeah. That. Well, I mean, well, and then the other thing that I really, it's just all over the place. It has the probably the biggest like floor to ceiling range is the new Shia LaBeouf feature about his Honey life, Boy. Honey Boy. Yeah. That movie could be a disaster, but it could also, he could win, like, a Best Acting Award or be nominated for playing his it's, father. Well, it's, it's tough with some of these movies, though, because think about what dominated the conversation last year. Bohemian Rhapsody, Green Book, mm-hmm. movies that are bad, that are not <laughs> good. That's- and they still Maybe racked we're up awards. Maybe giving too much credit to the Oscars. Yeah, they what are we still, even talking they about? They still racked up awards and made a fuck ton of money. Yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody was huge, huge financial success. So when we're looking at, at these and, if, and when we're thinking about this, this draft, those are the kinds of movies that are going to have to be really reckoned with. Where it's like, of course I would love the new Trey Edward Schultz movie to be good. Of course I would love the bomb back thing to, to be That's successful. That's why it has to we have to find a way to coral to even out the award the awards voting with the box office numbers. Yeah. So we, I mean, a movie that could be both I mean, maybe I'm just being optimistic here because I'm in the back for it, is Joker. There is a chance. Okay. There is a chance. I'm gonna stand on this hill until I see it and it's terrible. I love Joaquin Phoenix. He is Walking one of the best actors kick my ass. working no, right now. Him. But this movie looks well too too weird. I man. mean, have you I don't read, read early reviews? Work. 
I've, I've looked at little snippets, Same. and it, it looks like it's something that could be very, very troublesome. Well, I it, think it's going to be very divisive. It looks exactly like what we thought it would look like, which is, um, you know, it is good. It is well made uh, objectively. It's well acted, and it is uh, problematic. Mm-hmm. And one issue that I hadn't thought of that is really true, because obviously even from the first trailer, everyone was drawing comparisons to Travis Bickle. Mm-hmm. Um, Taxi driver. The yeah. precedent of remaking classic films but superheroes, I stand against. I hate that idea. I don't want to see any other superhero franchise try that because I don't want to live in a world where that's what we're getting. Like, I think Nolan kind of did that with Heat, the Dark Knight, a little bit. Little yeah. Bit. Yeah, there's, I mean, yeah, but the whole like, first sequence. I'm, yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. Um, but that's also like an, a trope, like, well, you know, the cop and the criminal who can't, mm-hmm. who love yeah. each other. I think that what it's going to come down to is what the tone of this movie is, because it looks like there is going to be, I mean, this is the guy who made old school. Like, this movie is going to have some humor, you would think, but also it has to be super dark. We were watching the, like, making of Joker, like the biggest criminal mind, like the most iconic bad guy in pretty much any superhero. Played by one of the finest actors working today. Yeah. And so that's why I, I did you guys see the second trailer that no, came out? The second trailer looks a lot better. It gave me a little bit more confidence with what it is because it, it doesn't have the generic upbeat music playing <laughs> towards like when you're just like, I realize my life, it's not a tragedy. It's a comedy. It looks Look, a little bit more dark. I'm just all in on Joaquin. I know Give me everything. I it, everything about this movie should work, but for some reason, I just I smell, I smell something bad. I don't know. I could see it being a huge hit or a huge flop. Yeah, we'll see. I think it'll make good money because it's Joker. You know, Suicide Squad made good money, and Joker was in that for like two seconds. Uh, still didn't see that. But it could be a little bit of a Dark Phoenix thing, where Dark Phoenix on paper it should have made money and it but the critical flopped. buzz was so yeah. it was panned so much that it just bombed okay before we move on i gotta bring up ryan johnson is has a new movie coming out called knives out it's a murder mystery so excited for this. with a shit ton of stars that's in it. gonna be very fun yeah daniel craig chris evans yeah. jamie lee curtis tony collette lakeith stanfield like all these people i really think this man is aside from all the unfair i i go as far to say hate he gets for the last jedi is so talented and i'm so glad he's making something original this could be big this could be big i i don't think enough people would uh malign this movie just because of ryan johnson's name being on it you know that seems like an unfair I mean, thing for people i don't think to this do. movie's gonna make it t- i don't think it's trying to make a ton of money anyways he was just like i just want to make an original genre yeah. film yeah and i, mean, I love that before star wars that was all he did yeah, yeah. it's just make like he was never trying to make money but pre-star wars like brick that's not a big box office movie uh what about ford versus ferrari this is a is so, this the kind of movie that would be huge. This like, is a an Oscar ago. type movie. Well, because so is Green Book, right? And so I'm thinking like audiences may be like split on it, but I feel like it's one of those ones where old Oscar voters will be like, I can America. I can see that there being some kind of a. I mean, it's always unfair when this happens, unless it is like a Green Book, which is clearly aligning itself with one certain side. But I mean, I love James Mangold, and I could see this kind of being the 
it could be representing one side of the academy that people will hate this movie even if it's a bad even if it's a great movie just because they're like this is the old way of saying that America is always right and we know better so we have to vote with parasite and stuff like that like i can just see okay. i can see these uh these different scenarios happening but it's already. movie stars too it is christian bale matt i'm excited Damon. for this movie this movie looks i mean it's one of those movies we know what's going to happen like the ford is going to beat the ferrari <laughs> yeah. otherwise there wouldn't be a movie about it yeah. but i i'm still excited for it um, because the actors i love james mangold yeah, like i said a couple others that i'm not i'm not saying i'm standing e- in any direction on Gemini Man, aka uh, Robot Looper. Oh, I think that maybe could bomb. I mean, I really think it could bomb. Will Smith is—he's not doing well. Like, is, I mean, Aladdin made a shit ton of money. So. His Instagram makes a lot of money. Like he's yeah. like the third most important character in. Aladdin. We'll see. Uh, okay, last one before we move on. Unless you guys want to shout out any more, Uncut Gems. The new Safdie Brothers movie starring Adam Sandler. Uh, I'm, I'm Let, let's get an Oscar for, for Adam. Hell yes. Did he get nominated for Punch Drunk Love? Uh, no, I think you're thinking of uh, Click. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are the same yeah. movie, right? Click Those got the nominated same movie? for Punch Drunk Love. PTA did Click, right? Didn't he make that? Yeah, yeah it's, yeah, a, it's okay, a PTA cool. joint. Um, all right. Well, we can leave it at that. We are going to be putting together a nice little uh, friendly competition around all of this to follow along as these movies enter the award season and maybe uh, bomb or soar at the box office. We'll see. We'll see. Um, so stick around for that. Let's move on to catch up. <laughs> Succession is back on HBO. Have okay. you watched it? We have two options here. You can not spoil or I can leave the room. I won't spoil. I'll just say it's really fucking good. The acting is incredible and the story seems to be moving in in a, in a in a direction that seems both very plausible and and just makes sense and predictable in the right ways. But also just keeping it fresh and giving us something that that uh, you know also feels like oh my god what what's gonna happen next with the fucking Roy's? So I Drew, have you seen any of this season yet? Okay, so I mean, I without getting into spoilers for listeners, um, so Kendall, our main here, was in a bad place at the end of last season. Oh yeah, incredible final and episode for season. After one. that moment we have now seen a new version i've never seen jeremy strong put on this performance before where he is a fucking puppy dog at this point like he is yeah he looks so beaten down and scared he's and an just errand off boy. his fucking rocker like he is so done little sidekick and boy he's getting he is getting sidelined this season which i would be i would be a little bit more upset about but this is really letting the rest of the cast shine and a yeah. Whole new way. I'm already like we're three episodes in, and I'm already digging this season more than at least the start of last season. Oh yeah, for I mean sure. this is already because this at this point the show has found its footing, it's established its tone, and last week's episode was I. It's in the running for the best episode of Succession ever. It, it's up there with Prague and with the season yeah. finale of just. It's Brian Cox, some of the best Brian Cox Fully I have unhinged. ever seen in my life. I love that guy. Dude, he is like Shakespearean <laughs> in this role. And He's it's, very classically, like he has a Donald Sutherland effect to him where I feel like if he was 
this age, like, 20 years ago, he would have gotten Donald Sutherland-type roles. And it's crazy that, like, if you think about it, last season, he kind of was sidelined because he was playing a sick man that was just bedridden for so much of it. And now he's up and about at 100% just fucking going hard on all these motherfuckers and just slinging insults and going crazy with how determined he is to get his way no matter what do we get a heaping spoonful of greg the egg oh greg is not heaping but it's just enough greg yeah you don't i don't want greg to be the star of the show (laughs) a a dash of greg yeah it's like banana in a smoothie like just a little bit when we get his moments with uh either uh, kendall or tom it's it's pretty damn good. I yeah. dude, Greg and Tom is just like the ultimate Amazing. power couple Amazing. in television. Like it, it is just the two of them together, which is another reason why the last episode was so great is because it's the perfect Tom and Greg episode. The new, the new one? Yes. That they dropped early. Oh no, not that one. I was talking about uh uh, I'm just going to call it bore on the floor. Yeah. Um and we'll just leave it at that yeah. for the listeners. <laughs> Tom, it's, but it's oh. such a good way of just showing how fucked up rich people are (laughs) and just the lengths that they'll go to either humiliate each other or just impose their power on each other because at a certain point like money isn't enough to signify power Mm -hmm. so you have to like dig into something a little bit more deeper and personal to get people to be subordinate to your might and i think wealth the way wealth is depicted in this show is this almost like this disease yeah. where all of these people are like pretty much sociopaths yeah. because of how yeah that's rich exactly they what are. I that's exactly what I said last season it's it's cancer yeah. to have this much money not even to earn it like Logan Roy did just to live around it mm-hmm. is cancerous like you are infected i mean that was i i brought this up last year uh because the you know the brother played by Cameron from Ferris Bueller yeah what's Connor. his name Connor he, he, when he was I mean any scene he's in he is the character most in a bubble out of anybody <laughs> where he truly does not know what he is in case you were wondering he is still running for president great <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that was when the whole show clicked for me was watching him uh, debate the Bernie yeah, type candidate Bernie. you know quote unquote debate. <laughs> That was when I was like, this show is about that. It's yeah. about how these people have no clue what they are. I mean, what's amazing, though, too, is that it almost it has kind of what the best, uh, like, anti-hero shows of the last decade or so have had, where, like, it's like a Walter White thing where you hate him. Like, you know that this is a bad person, but you cannot stop watching him, which is, that's a very hard line to get to, because otherwise... You can reach a point with a show like, uh, for example, um, I've been struggling to get around to watch Legion because by the end of the la- of season two of Legion, I was like, I hate this guy. Like, I don't even like want to be a part of yeah. him anymore. And mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen the new season, so I can't speak to that. But it's a very fine line to walk where you have to have somebody who you do not relate to, mm-hmm. nor do you trust in any way, but you're still fascinated. I, by I think that's what makes Succession so good is that. There's moments where they make it very abundantly clear that these are horrible human beings. Like, there's moments in this new season where it's like, oh, yeah, like, this is not, there's not a question about how fucking evil these people are. They're all on the level. But then you find yourself like, 
like connecting to a tender moment that mm-hmm. they have. There's a there's a moment in the new episode where Kendall uh, hugs Shiv at the very end of the episode, and I'm I just kind of like it kind of got to me. I was like, oh my god, this is like a little sibling moment that they're yeah. having, but there's still that slight disconnect where oh, yeah. they can't quite feel emotions like a normal person does yeah it's uh, what you said hunter uh this is uh stay with me but it reminded me a lot of one of netflix's biggest critical failures uh a show called friends from college do you remember this show i i remember i never saw um because the thing is if you're going to make a show where no one is uh likable it has to be a very good show. There's no other way around it. Yeah. It just has to be very good, exceedingly good. They made this show, great cast, Keegan-Michael Key, et cetera. Billy Eichner. Yeah, and they're all just playing uh, literally friends from college, and the pilot of it was one of the most wretched things I've ever seen. Not even that they're like on any sociopathic level, but no one is likable, and this is ostensibly a show, uh, like a hang show, like a show where you're hanging with friends. And they all suck. Yeah, so and you don't want. It's like it's always sunny, but without the craziness. without laughing. Yeah, yeah, without jokes. It was just absolutely soulless. Um, and luckily for Succession, it's firing on such a higher lo- amount of cylinders. <laughs> like yeah. it, it's it's running on jet fuel. You gotta check out. And the new I season. am steel beams. <laughs> it's yeah. I I love. I think this is the best show on television. Um. And uh, it leads us into the next thing that we were talking about, which I feel like should have gotten more talked about, but it's on Netflix. And therefore, it it was dumped all at once. It was in the conversation for like two days, and then it was gone. And that's season two of Mindhunter. Which I finally got around to starting because I I had to finish Glow season three. Because I'm at a point right now where it's like there's only so much time I can devote to watching TV, and there's so much to watch. That if I leave something behind, chances are very low well, that I'll return to it. And it's I feel like it's worse on Netflix because at least if it's something on HBO, for example, if like the new season of The Deuce is coming out and the first three episodes come out and people are like, oh my god, this is the best show on television. Then you're like, okay, I have time. I can catch up. Maybe I can get to it by the end of the season. But with Netflix, you're like, fuck, season four already dropped. I guess like I don't have like... 20 hours to devote to this thing so i guess i'm just never gonna get around to it so mindhunter 2 came out almost what three weeks ago at this point it feels like maybe two and i'm just now getting around to it but the nice thing with the binge model is like i had a lazy saturday yesterday and i was able to watch like three episodes in one sitting so there's like this trade-off you know where if you do get a little bit of time to to just like hang out and watch a little tv you don't you're not limited to the the one episode that's out. So I'm I'm like I guess a third of the way through the second season and it is so good. It's so good. It's, it's so good. I think it's better than season 1 on pretty much every level. Well, Cuz the characters have been established, the exactly. tone is established, you already know going in what you're in for. You don't have to get acclimated. So boom, as soon as it starts, we hit the ground running. And the best thing about it is that the second season is exploring the secondary characters, Bill Tench and um, the female supervisor. I forget her name. Yeah, you would. Um, <laughs> and, but our main guy, um, Holden. Holden Ford, he's taken a little bit of a backseat 
right now, which I really, really appreciate, even though I know that he is kind of like the core of this story. I really like that we're exploring some of these ancillary characters. I was, I think that Bill Tench is the MVP of season two for yeah. me. Mm. I think that he is amazing. Gives one of the best like subtle performances that I've seen on TV in a long time because he is not overacting at any in any way. He feels like a real cop. He feels like yeah. he is just so hardened to the rest of the world that his He's child might character. his child might just stumble onto like these pictures mm-hmm. of a woman being like torn apart limb by limb and he that he just like has there and he can just look at and they don't even face it anymore and the thing i appreciate the most about this show i think is if you think back the thesis of david fincher even though this is based on a book and a real story and all these things but the thesis of david fincher is that everybody is a pervert Mm-hmm. And that if we accept that, we can move on with our lives yeah. and take care of everything else that we Here, have to. I'll, I'll say it like he says it in that in that interview. He goes, "I think everybody's a little bit of a pervert." <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's it. That's it. Truly, so truly iconic venture. So, so creepy. <laughs> I mean, this is the show. I think that it was a friend of the pod, Chris Ryan, who said this best. Uh, yeah, he's a friend of the pod. Yeah, yeah. Where he's just like, "This is a show for people who think that Zodiac is the best venture movie." Mm. And I. That is so uh, astute. That's uh, that's really like that's if you like think that Zodiac is the best or one of the best Fincher movies, which some people don't. Some people just stand for Fight Club and Seven. Mm. But if you are like me, like I think that I think Zodiac and Gone Girl are like two of my favorite Fincher movies. Um, I, social Network for me. Social, yeah. But I, if you are a big stand on that, then you'll love this movie because. I now have come around to the point that I love that this show is a TV show. That I don't think that this would work as a yeah. Movie. We were we were having this conversation I, before, especially it, season two yeah. shows in like a whole new way. That I'm like, thank God that I have five episodes to just explore the Atlanta murders, and I don't have to like have all this rushed stuff well, to like yeah, get in all this exposition. Because otherwise, it would have to be some revisionist shit just to have enough happen in a movie to constitute exactly. A movie. You would have these to are like, things that happen over the course of months. Yeah, and like you know, profiling has actually never caught a serial killer before. Like it's just all about him learning about it and the darkness that comes from that. If I'm if I understand the show correctly. Yeah. Well, I, that's what I was trying to get at with the pervert thing is that. This character, Holden Ford, uh, he, in a weird, twisted way, is like an audience surrogate because his whole mantra to, to heading this, this team is that he is so fascinated with these monsters and these killers. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're watching the show. Yeah. That's why we put it on and not something else like Great British yeah, Bake Off. That's why an entire genre is this. And why it's so <laughs> successful. Yeah. And people love this shit. But the genius part about Mindhunter is that it doesn't revel in the violence. Th- this show is not violent. It doesn't show anything. Yeah. It's everything around the violence and very descriptive language about the violence we (laughs) never see it but we have extended conversations that get into very uh uh, just disturbing uh details well i mean that's what i i think that the best moments i love the moments like learning about bill tinch's family and stuff like that and how that's kind of just all these other ancillary plot lines I enjoy a lot. But, I mean, where the show is its best is when they are interviewing people 
they're interviewing serial killers. And there's a procedural. And it'll be 15 minutes of just them talking. And it, there is, I mean, especially the back half of season two is straight up a procedural. Like, it's it feels It's kind of like old school. It does, but it's... Every episode's a different conversation with a different serial killer. Well, I mean, I without spoiling anything, like, the last half of this season, maybe it's like the last three episodes or so, but they're just focused on one crime, and they just spend the whole time doing it. And it feels like a season of a show that doesn't exist anymore, of this kind of crime procedural uh, trying to find this uh, kind of cat and mouse game that they're playing with killers and following different clues. It's the best possible version of that, and there's something about that. So you watched the whole season? Yeah, I've seen the whole season. Once I started, I I couldn't stop. Um, I will say, once again, it is the caveat that this does take, if you're starting it now, give it, Till episode three, which is a hard ask, because I'm asking you to sit through season one. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm, it's a hard ask, because I'm asking you to devote two hours to something before it really gets going. But that zodiac comment, I mean, Chris, that's why you're our friend. You know, Mm -hmm. like that almost. That's why you need to buy us out. (laughs) (laughs) That almost that comment alone just made me want to watch the show more. Like it made me reconsider everything I thought about it because I was like, oh, it's yeah, it's Zodiac, but show. Well, my initial take on Mindhunter when I was getting through season one was that it was watered down Zodiac um, because there's no Jake Gyllenhaal. There's no uh, Mark (laughs) Ruffalo. Uh, Less Fincher. Yeah, Less Fincher, exactly. But, uh, of course, it has that, you know, 70s investigative Even even down to the color palette. Exactly. Like, it's so so similar. I tried to watch this on my phone outside one day, and it's impossible because it's so dark. I'm, like, maxing out my brightness, and I still can't see it Were you, like, taking a sick break at work? Like, (laughs) let me just throw on... Let me catch 15 minutes of this real quick. (laughs) I... I think it's so uh, diminutive to call this uh, watered down Zodiac because it's so it's different because they're mm-hmm. not Zodiac is all around like the obsession behind this one mysterious case that will not go away for years and years and years. It's a movie that spans like 20 years or something. This is all about like this team and how they are building this type of of police work that's very very uh uh, new for this type of of time and and i think it captures that very well um just the idea of like people at this time were not okay with talking about these things well that's but it starts to creep up like there's a scene where bill is at this barbecue and he doesn't even want to share with his wife the intricacies of his work but he's talking to these guys at the barbecue and they're like yo tell us they're like, like yo every- you talk to manson like <laughs> yo what's he like man oh, yeah. tell us everything <laughs> so it's it, it's like yeah. it's this almost metaness but also yeah, like well, capturing yeah the that's what i was gonna say is in that way it's very much fincher's most explicit work that like explicitly about perversion because they're all about perversion like he says but this is literally about perversion yeah and it's about exploring perversion and i don't know if i said this uh before when we were talking about season one of mindhunter but one thing that i think that is perfect about this show is i mean think season one came out 2016 when it was in the height of the making of a murderer and all this kind of stuff and there became this fascination this like it was a sick perversion towards uh serial killers themselves where this show in a way it's kind of pervasive towards towards the people who investigate the serial killers. Mm-hmm. Like it's more about watching the people who have to 
hear and do all these interviews with them, how they slowly lose their minds. Yeah. Like that's and I think that that's what makes this show special. Is that it's not really about one serial killer or a couple different serial killers and how they think. It's about the people who are investigating and how they think. Holden's panic attacks yeah. are like a recurring thing, I'm guessing. So that's that's something that 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 um you don't see too much of, you know. It's yeah. like the the mental toll that something like yeah. This I definitely, could have. whenever you finish the season, I want to talk in more detail because there are some things that I think could have been better okay. and everything else like that. But we'll save that. Speaking of uh, creators jumping mm. onto a, uh, a, a bigger it. smell it. a transition, <laughs> bring it home. <laughs> Speaking of creators jumping onto a bigger platform to create more content, yeah. Uh, Whoa. And dropping the ball slightly and then coming okay. back around <laughs> All right. with a bigger hit. Oh. <laughs> you know, Fincher. Yeah, no. You, yeah, I, uh, there are lots of correlations between Fincher and Brockhampton. <laughs> <laughs> we are the first ones to compare the yeah. two. Let's talk about Brockhampton. Fincher is Amir and Kevin Abstract. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, no. He just wants to understand Amir. He doesn't want to excuse his. No. Okay. <laughs> um, so, Brockhampton is back. Uh, their last album, of course, was 2018's Iridescence. Um, reviews for it were, like, tepid, to say the the least. Um, I reacted more severely than I thought I would, and more severely than most critics did. I truly disliked the album, uh, viscerally. I thought that they were poorly produced, poorly constructed songs. Everything that I loved Brockhampton for, I did not see on the album. You know, the only thing I could compliment it on is it still had the experimental spirit of Brockhampton, which is a big uh, portion of like, that's why this is not a zero album. But when when an album like that comes out, y part of your brain is like, are they just cooked? Is that it? It felt very scattered to me. I, I did. I wasn't giving up on them because, I mean, we should say whenever Brockhampton signed this deal, they, of course, made the saturation mixtapes, which are all three bangers, and they put them all out in the same year. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of amazing that they were able to do that. So they signed this record deal, and they were like, all right, we're going to put out two albums a year for the next five years. And so that is enough to kind of raise an eyebrow to, because that, I mean, nobody can keep up that kind of a pace. Not to mention, they were already scheduled to release an album, what, like, and a month before it was released, Amir got yeah. kicked out. I mean, that's two months. That, maybe. as it turns out, that is, I mean, in my eyes, that's very clearly the issue with the album is they had just lost a founding member, one that had you could you could pro plausibly say he had the most uh, speaking time on all three of those saturation albums. He had multiple verses or one verse in every single song. Um, they lost him, and they were dealing with fame and the reaction to every little action they made about Amir. There was a backlash with how they handled that situation. They had never been in the public eye even a little bit. These were literally just a bunch of suburban kids that met on the internet. Um, and they had to make an album. They had no choice. And another merit that I will give to that album is it was definitely an attempt for them to express how they were feeling at that time. Like, they weren't just trying to have fun still. They were like, no, this is on our minds right now. We have to make music about it. That's admirable. Um, it's just the final product really disappointed It's very me. sad. Yeah. And very depressing. Even with all those mitigating factors, part of me was like, I really hope they're not cooked. I really hope it's not over for them. They're just not going to be good anymore. I, I did like that a lot of the tracks on it felt very raw. Like they were bearing their, yeah, their exactly. struggle with dealing with this whole they, situation. They wanted, but, yeah, that's but fair. it was missing a little bit of the polishedness, and that's why I mean, 
Ginger just came out, and Ginger still has that same heartache. Ginger is a very, it has a lot of very depressing tones and verses to it, but it sounds so much more polished. And there's actual bangers on here that still have yeah. very heartfelt lyrics, but, I mean, this, I don't know about you guys, but I love this album. I think I, this album is amazing. I Yeah, I was truly uh, shocked at how much I really, I truly love it. Uh, front to back, there are a couple songs I could skip, but I won't because... When it's close, I'm just going to listen to the whole album. And this is, it's, I would call it a return to form, but it's not. Like you said, it's it very, is. It almost like Iridescence was a step that they had to take in a way. Yeah, it was like a transitory album. And then this is the album where they like actually reckon with everything that they wanted to reckon yeah. with musically. Because this is a really good album. The production is back, baby. The production is fucking there. Like, it's, it's unbelievable how they're, this is like gen z music to me yeah. like this is what the music of the future it's kids who grew up with access to all the music in the world genre so they weren't yeah they weren't just like inspired because they grew up in brooklyn in the 80s like they were inspired because they had everything and they are they draw from everything in these songs and they do it so effortlessly that it's almost easy to just kind of like brush over that but to combine everything they combine is so difficult like i cannot even imagine yeah. to have like rock uh mixed with hip-hop mixed with boom back mixed with electronic music mixed with like crooning it's it should not be good at all <laughs> and it's great and i think they tried a lot of that in iridescence but again it was just very scattered it didn't feel cohesive because the saturations were all about cohesion it were, they were all just this unit operating like a perfectly well-oiled machine but i think that this album ginger it proves that 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 cohesion has kind of fallen apart a little bit but that doesn't mean that the quality of the band has to suffer you know you still it they're still they're gonna be growing up they're gonna be experiencing difficult times and shit and it it's just it's part of the, the 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 nature of these things for it not to be as cohesive um and it's a big group it's like what like 10 plus dudes yeah so obviously there's going to be a lot of conflicting voices here but i think where iridescence was this just kind of all over the place thing this feels like um, an album that is trying to do a lot but it it all works under a very kind of yeah. Focus trajectory. Exactly. It should not make sense for s most of these tracks to come after the track that came before them, and yet it does. Yeah. Like, it's really, it's a balancing act that only older musicians usually can do. You know, like, to get this experimental, like, old Bowie, not old, old, but, like, into the 80s Bowie would do stuff like this, where just, like, the track list, it shouldn't work, but it just does. It, and, I mean, to just kind of, like, dumb it down a little bit i just think that another reason why this is better is that just everybody else in the group just stepped up and like it's actually everybody else has improved specifically i wanted to shout out dom like dom is all over has some of the best verses yeah. in the entire album love him um i really to be honest because there's so many of them i really at first before this album i knew him a little bit more to pick him out but like really it was like kevin i knew um, sometimes Merlin or Bareface, I could pick out their voices, but because there's so many, a lot of them just kind of all bled together into one person for me. Mm -hmm. But I think that each of them do kind of, 
they've refined their own flow in a certain way that now you can kind of pick them out a little bit more and just be like, oh man, I really love how Matt sounds on this track. Like I love the the verse that he brings in here is the perfect counter to the smooth flow that Kevin Abstract just had in the verse before it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you guys have a, a favorite track? I I, no. I really I love No Halo, the first song on here. Um, Sugar song, Sugar might be my so favorite. About No Halo, uh, what uh, one thing the thing that really killed Iridescence for me was when they tried to incorporate rock. I thought it it was horrendous. I thought it like they were incorporating Creed style guitars into hip hop, and I thought it pretty much could not have gone worse. Um, in this, they are incorporating better old rock from the same era, like this song this first song no halo is literally like the best possible version of the song what it's like remember yep. that song yeah mm-hmm. and you really it's all it's a very similar guitar riff same vibe it's just like updated and improved well i mean there's that there's a lot i mean there's arpeggiated guitar all over this album yeah and i love the way that a lot of uh, uh i think that's on the song on a uh, big boy how they're able to uh f- augment both the guitar and the lyrics that you're hearing in mm-hmm. the song. And, I mean, they've been augmenting their verses and everything for a long time now, going back to saturation. and But I really love the way that that all comes together. I love um, If You Pray Right. That's an amazing song. Uh, that's what I love about is this album has bangers on it. Like, just songs that you could just put on at a fucking party and just jam out yeah, to. Yeah, which wasn't the case with the with the last album. Yeah. How would you guys compare this to the Kevin Abstract uh, solo release? Um, I would compare that album closer to Iridescence than to this, but it was not a train wreck. It just because uh, that did that's I, fair. it didn't yeah. strike me as much is, as this. Is did. that an album or what's it called? Arizona Baby. I thought it was an EP, but I guess it is a full album. Because um, that one has, you know, at first I didn't really care for it too much, but it has some good songs on it. Yeah. Like Big Wheels and I, Peach. I like that. I do. I like that album above Iridescence, but I mean, not nearly as much as this album. Like, right. this album just has. I. There is part of me, because this is their most cohesive album, this is more cohesive than a Saturation. Unless you're just going to look at Saturation as just one giant album. But even then, that's just. It does. It has a very much of a mixtape vibe in that it doesn't really feel like an mm-hmm. album. It feels like a collection of songs. It feels like a playlist. Where this has a tone. It has a beginning, middle, and end to it. Where, I mean, going back to Big Boy, like I think that it's um, it might be Dom or whoever it is, um, but um, I can't remember who it was in the song. But they just start like screaming at the end of the song, and it's or Ginger. It's in the the title track, Ginger. Um, when uh, it is, it's Dom and Bareface, and he just starts like screaming towards the end of the song, and it has this, this tension that's been building up inside of him. That's just this relief and a scream, and then by the end, by Victor Roberts, it feels like they are in a better place than when they started. Yeah, it, yeah. this yeah, this album felt like uh, more healthy processing of emotions <laughs> yeah. than iridescence. There's a lot of anguish. Yeah, on there's it. a ton. Yeah, but the energy is back. The Brockhampton energy is completely back. Like. It I this album made me rediscover why I love the Saturation album so much. Like they're they have it almost what young Eminem did lyrically, where he came onto the scene, no one knew who he was. He had the highest technical skill level of any rapper in the world, 
but also he w- was having fun. He had a crazy energy and he was just like doing whatever he wanted. That's what Brockhampton does, but through the music, not through their lyrics. Mm-hmm. Their beats are like that. Their beats are pushing things forward because they're young enough, but they they have this marriage of insane technical skill with the youth and the vigor and energy to want to experiment instead of just to want to make really technically good pop music like the Chainsmoker guys did. Yeah. They were like, we're young, we have energy, we're going to hack pop and make <laughs> hack pop. <laughs> um, it's hack. Yeah, this is just a perfect confluence of so many ideas, and that's what I loved about them at first. That's why when I first heard them, I thought this is the future. And this album, again, to me, sounds like the future. And it's promising that they are not completely derailed. That it's just a new chapter for them. Yeah, I'm serious. I was worried, man. Yeah, I, I was like, this could be it. Yeah, like, I do. You guys think this is gonna be on your top albums of the year? Yeah, it'll be on mine. I I think we'll that see. I do. I just looking through tracks, and I did want to correct myself a little bit. It was actually "Dearly Departed" I was thinking of, which another song, another big standout strat, track where. Uh, it's the last verse by Dom. He goes from everything from getting stuck up the first time that he moved to Texas to being betrayed by Amir and basically telling Amir, like, fuck off, you did this to yourself. Like, you kind of deserved what was coming for you. I don't want to hear, motherfucker. Like, all this yeah. kind of stuff. It's very heavy. But it's not. it's not depressing like Iridescence is. Like, this is still just, you could put it on and just, like, vibe to it. Well, they they talk about the depression, right? It doesn't feel depressing to right. listen to the songs, mm-hmm. but they're clearly they're feeling the depression in the music. But it doesn't. They're they're making songs that have that allow them to work through. In it. a way, it's kind of like Damn in that kind of a way where Damn isn't a depressing album, but you can tell Kendrick is feeling some shit. Yeah. During that album, yeah. yeah, it's. I think the lyricists are still processing it, but the beat makers are through with it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's Brockhampton. Are they are they coming out with another one, or do you think they'll take their time? I don't know. I kind of hope they take their time. Yeah, take 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 at least like they half do. a Go year. Go back to the table and renegotiate, and just be like, can we just do one a year? Like yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Um, uh, all right. I'm, well, I'm very happy, though. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm thrilled about this. That that wraps it up for this week on We Bought a Mic. Let us know what you thought about everything we talked about. Follow us at We Bought a Mic on social media. Email us at WeBoughtAMic at gmail.com. Leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. That's always good. Um, you can stay tuned for our Matrix slash Cloud Atlas talks. It Chapter 2, Ad Astra. And all those movies that we talked about earlier, uh, we will try to review as many of them as possible. Not all of them, I don't think. We'll see. We'll see. Um, what do you guys want to plugity plug? Uh, Twitter and Letterbox at Hunt Mobley, H-U-N-T-M-O-B-L-E-Y. Sure. LinkedIn. Um, Yo. Yeah. I'm, Man, I'm get a LinkedIn sponsor. We don't have any LinkedIn Zip listeners. Recruiter? Yeah, that's where all the podcasts are going, straight to LinkedIn. Uh, so Drew Dietzen, D-I-E-T-Z-E-N on there. Hell yeah. Also, if you just want to Google my name, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I, like I said, the, these movies that are coming out, we, uh, we'll we try to put them into the schedule. I mean, we want to do other fun segments. We have another We Fought a Mic coming up that we're uh, loading up in the, in the chamber there. Um, we're going to so shoot each other. <laughs> <laughs> Loser gets fucking murdered. So, yeah, tell your friends, spread the word about the show. We know, um, I'll say the the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse pod is our most listened to episode. So thank you all it's for recommending best, that one. It's also the best episode 
Yeah, best, maybe best show. Yeah, best movie in, in terms of our best piece of art, in terms of us, that's probably not. That's we. That's when we peaked. It's our all peak, down. Our peak was peak. the first episode. Is it Apex Mountain? Is the Spider Verse yeah. episode? Our no, peak was the last down. first episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the one that was not recording. So good. Yeah. All right. Well, check me out at Caldernist on social media. Follow me on there, and stick around. We we'll see you. See you next time. We love you. Bye bye. Bye. Hallelujah, holy lion, words of Judas. How I'm supposed to trust what you say is the truest. How shall I see? Inshallah, if I got to spin my words around as if you're wanted on Mandala for Nirvana. Singing the sonata towards our karma. Did a rain is bringing karma, spins a karma to Ohaka. I got spirits in my heart that make my mama like as water. Flow into the moment and avoid the mellow drama.